0: Thanks for joining the Capital Church Podcast Channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. Um, I'm excited. Uh, can I preach at you for a moment? I'm really excited. To preach this message. And I know um, Chris told me you, you have a, a, a series beginning. More of a, I think, probably a spiritual theme than a series, because I don't believe in necessarily doing messages that match. But I do believe that if the, the man of God in the house has a theme, um, it's kind of cool to stick with it. And uh, I have a really complex title for this message. You ready for it? Called this message, Thank You, Thank You, Thank You. Thank you. Look at somebody and say thank you, even if you don't know what you're saying it for. And trust me, at least 90% of you did that move. So here's how this works. If I say look at your neighbor and you don't, I'm going to keep doing it. But if you do it one time, then I'll stop for the rest of the day. Totally. So look at your neighbor and say thank you. I'm going to read you two scriptures back to back real quick, um, because I believe these two words, thank you, might be more explosive and powerful as a Christian then you may recognize. And I'm going to take you quickly to the book of Psalms. And I have a, a, a friend who is a new Christian. And he calls this book, uh, he's like, man, I love the Psalms. You can call it whatever you want. I told him as long as you read it. He just pronounces the P. Hey, and those Psalms, man, those really get me. You ready for this? This is going to blow you away. And I, I realize there might be a lot of believers in here and who have served Jesus longer and better than I have And uh, this is one of those messages that can remind you how good our God has been, how good he has been. Just think about that for a moment. I mean, you might not be where you want to be in every area today, but thank God we are not where we should be had it not been for the grace of God. Say amen if you're with me. This is what it says in the book of Psalms. And this is uh, Psalm 118, verse roughly 20. I'm just going to get right into it. This whole psalm is good. If you want to go home and, and read more of it, feel free, not against the law. To read your bible outside of church hours i don't think i have to say stuff like that here i'm so used to being in new york i have to tell people no you can read the bible on monday it's okay i found the gateway to god the pathway to his presence for all his lovers i will offer my loving praise to you and i thank you so much for answering my prayer and bringing me salvation who's grateful for your salvation who remembers that day who remembers that moment can you wave at me if you do i'm grateful for my salvation. Verse 22, the very stone that the Masons rejected as flawed has turned out to be the most important capstone of the ark, holding up the very house of God. The Lord himself is the one who's done this. It's so amazing, so marvelous to see. This is the very day of the Lord that brings gladness and joy to Idaho. I added that. Filling our hearts with glee. Oh God, please come and save us again. Bring us your breakthrough victory. Blessed is the one who comes to us, the sent one of the Lord. And from within the temple, we cry, we bless you. For the Lord our God has brought us his glory light. I offer him my life. I offer him my life. I offer him my life in joyous sacrifice. Tied tightly to your altar. Think about that for a moment. That's a sermon in and of itself. Tied tightly to your altar, I will bring you praise. For you are the God of my life, and I lift you high, exalting you to the highest place. So let's keep on giving our thanks to God, for he is good. His constant, tender love lasts forever. Come on, somebody. If that's not a scripture for us, we could shut it down right there if we wanted to. But I'm going to double down. Go with me to the book of John real quick. I'm going to give you just the second reason I believe we have to be ridiculously thankful today. And this is what Jesus said. And I love reminding myself of this in case you have one of those days where you need to be reminded why we have hope, why we have faith in our eyes today. Jesus said this, now finally you believe in me and the time has come when you will all be scattered and each one of you will go your own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am never alone for the Father is always with me. And everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me, will be in you and will give you a great confidence as you rest in me. For this is the unbelieving world. In this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows. But Ready for it? But you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. So right here, in those two scriptures, I start thinking about, wow, maybe I should start saying thank you a little bit more as a Christian. When was the last time you just woke up and you just couldn't stop saying thank you before anything happened, before you checked your bank account, maybe lost your breath? Before you thought about what wasn't happening? Have you ever just sat there and just thought, man, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for how good you've been. It can put wind in your sails. It can put faith back in your heart. You don't even need to go to church for this. You don't need to get a cool podcast for this. Sometimes all we need to do is remember that these two words, according to the psalmist and according to kind of anybody that's been doing this for a long time, there is something powerful about a Christian that doesn't forget these two words. Thank you, Jesus. But have you ever been through a season where maybe it's um, taking you a little while longer to dig up reasons to be thankful? How many people have children in here? Special prayer meeting for us at midnight. I was with my kids, and I know we're coming up on Thanksgiving pretty soon here, and we try to just be thankful all the time. But uh, once in a while, as a dad, I'll sit there with my kids, and I'll be like, guys, before we eat, um, we're just going to go around the room. and uh, It's like three kids. Around the room. And I I want to hear each of you just, what are you thankful for? And I'll go, you know, Ava, you go first. Charlie, you go second. Roman, you go third. And I'll sit there, and sometimes my kids just take too long to find something to be thankful for. And I'll look at them, and I'll try to be cool about it, but one time we did this, and I just sat there, and I was just in one of those moods where I felt like they didn't appreciate anything. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, go ahead, Ava, whenever you're ready. Um, like I literally, like, um, Charlie, Roman, a- anybody, 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 got anything to be thankful for? Let me suggest some things to you, Ava. How about you thank God for the seat you're sitting in? How about you thank God for the shoes you did not buy? How about you thank God for that $20 bill in your pocket? Charlie, how about you? How about you thank God that you have a roof over your head? And you, son, how about you thank God for getting everything and contributing nothing to this household? How many times do I have to tell y'all? And it became a sermon. And after I was done yelling at my kids, I felt that awful conviction of the Holy Spirit where I could almost feel like, I wonder if heaven feels like that about me sometimes. I wonder if I could be accused of taking too long in my humanity to remind my own soul if God never did another thing for me when he gave me Jesus, I got enough to be thankful for the rest of my life. Somebody in here needs to hear this this morning. You might need to start thanking God more often. Sometimes we don't need a breakthrough. We just need to be able to say thank you. You can even try it when you get home. Start thanking God for his grace. Thanking God for his mercy. Thanking God you get to come to a church and still lift up the name of Jesus without fear of being persecuted. Thank God for his transformative power. Thank God for his mercy, which we have not earned, but he gave it to us anyway. You can even thank God for every opportunity you have ever had in your life. And if you get tired of that, I refuse to come down until tonight. If you get tired of that, you can even thank God for the stuff that he hasn't done. And y'all have been serving Jesus for a while, so go back and just think about all the stuff God didn't do that you thought you wanted him to do, but yet he loved you so much that he didn't answer some of those prayer requests. You can thank God for all the people that he got out of your life. Thank God for all the jobs you didn't get. And had you got it, it might've taken you out of the will of God. Thank God he loves us enough to not always give us what we want. Come on, is there anybody that is thankful that you get to walk with the living God? Thanks. Have a great day. See y'all later. No, I do believe there's power in this. I do believe that because your pastor, even when he told me about this, he said, we, I'm going to do this thing about uh, make America grateful again. I thought, first of all, very smart, as, as he does. But there is something about Christians who don't forget the very essence of this faith. We're just, we're just lucky to be in the presence of the living God. And when you live from that premise, it's very hard for the devil to discourage you. It's very hard to get caught up in that moment where you forget exactly how good God has been. I'm gonna throw a couple points at you real quick. You don't have to write any of them down, but I will judge you on the inside. We gotta learn how to thank God through it by realizing he is always in it, regardless of how overwhelming it is. And you have to do air quotes when you do this, because it thank God through it. It could be a different it for you than it is for me, but the principle remains if we cannot learn how to thank God in the middle of it, it's going to be a very short walk with Jesus, and I realize that Boise is different than Manhattan, and y'all are more spiritual, probably more sound biblically, but I'm a part of a generation that's really good at thanking God before the battle, really good at thanking God after the battle, but people struggle right in the middle. And there's a problem with that because most of our lives will be lived right in the middle. So if you have signed up for a Christianity where you're only thanking God when he does what you want, or you're only thanking God when you're expected and exciting. It's a very boring life because this gap in between, the Bible says joy comes in the morning and there are seasons. But what you also find in the Bible, there's there's no time explanations. It'd be awesome if God chose to do that here and there. Like joy comes in the morning. When exactly? You know, there are seasons of this and seasons of that, but there are these big gaps where I guess the silent inference is that you better realize that you walk with Jesus. Because if you're only thanking him when you're getting stuff or you're only thanking him when you're excited about the potential of getting stuff, I believe you're missing out on the very essence of being a Christian, which is, yes, I have faith for the future. Yes, I can't wait to see what God is going to do. But he's so faithful, I can give him thanks while I'm still sick waiting for my healing. I can give him thanks while I'm still waiting for him to come through. That is the essence of life. But when you lose that thankful premise, and yes, I almost slipped right there. But When you lose that thankful premise, you know what happens when people don't know where they're going? They stop. I believe thanks is what keeps us moving towards the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, because it's actual choice. And my, my dad is here with me today, and it's the biggest honor of a lifetime. I always tell people, my dad's the greatest man to ever live. You might have a good dad, but he's second. I grew up my whole life not having to look outside Let me get this one out of the way. Whoa. Now I have to look outside my house for a hero. Cause I never understood why people love Michael Jordan. They're like, Does Michael Jordan pay your bills? My like, Steve Lentz has always been my hero. But I remember being a backslidden uh, teenager and I was going to church because they used to offer me donuts. My mom and dad, they're like, You can come to church and I'm like, I'm not coming. We're gonna stop by Krispy Kreme. I'm like, I'm there. And I remember um, being in church one particular time when we went to a, a Baptist church at the time, huge, in, in Virginia. And uh, it was just where my parents felt like it was the most safe place for them to be. And uh, I remember sitting there, just sitting down, smug, being, you know, just basically that, that teenager that you can't stand to look at. That was me. And I, I also remember that worship it was very non-charismatic. So, you know, in a Baptist church, you're lucky if you get a Frisbee. You know, the spirit has really moved if you get a double Frisbee. And I remember you could look out on this whole giant congregation, but there would be Steve and Kathy. Kathy would have both hands up and my dad sometimes would bring his tambourine. You know why? Because they didn't care. This is how the Lentz family does it. We worship like this. We don't care what the denomination is or what the vibe is. This is how we do it. I remember sitting there thinking, my parents are pretty cool. My dad has a tambourine and they lift their hands in a Baptist church. Different sermon. And I remember the offering buckets coming by in this particular time in our, our lives as the Lentz family. I know that times were not easy. My dad had shifted jobs, and I know finances were an interesting, uh, in an interesting place in general. And I remember the offering came around, and I remember my dad giving. And I was seething on the inside. I'm like, I can't believe my dad's giving. I need money. We need money. And here my dad is giving to this church in the middle of a tough season. Like, what kind of God needs your money when you actually need money to pay your bills? And I just could not wait to get out of there. Just ask my dad about this, because, you know, when you're 16, you know it all. And I remember saying to my dad, I said, dad, how could you, how could you give to this giant church in the middle of a season where we need the money? I mean, come on, dad, enough's enough. And he looks at me like the way dad's doing, he goes, son, I love Jesus and I'm not going to let our season dictate what I do. I give not because God needs my money. I give because I want to give him thanks with what I have. And I remember just going, you know, when your dad says something to you, you just immediately get swallowed up by his rightness. That was that moment for me, and I remember thinking it's amazing how the seasons have never changed my parents' thankfulness. The season has never dictated their generosity because their thanks always goes before them. And if you feel like you're in a position today, I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I know it's at least maybe three or four people in here. If you have found yourself in a season where you are in the middle of it, do not let the devil take those thank you words out of your mouth. If you want to defy your season, just start saying thank you, even if you don't feel it, even if you don't see it, even if it doesn't make any sense, just practice saying thank you while you wait for God to do what he always does. He's never failed anybody, and he's not going to start with you. That is is reason enough to give them thanks. Come on, somebody, if you believe me at 9 a.m. Can I show you? Can I, can I show you the thankfulness standard for my own life? And maybe you can adopt it if it works for you. Is this helping anybody? Look at somebody and say, thank you. Oh, apparently it's been a while for some people. How many married people do we have at this service? Okay, that's alarming. New York, there's maybe three or four. How many single people do we have at this early service? Awesome. Okay, just checking out what kind of desperation we'll be at the later services. Wait, wait till you see the worship tonight. That's when the culmination of all the people who love Jesus and they're also ready for their breakthrough. Acts chapter five. Let me show you this because you might be like, "Well, is this is this?" A, like a new school thing, like when you say thanks, um, you don't really understand what I'm going through, et cetera. Um, there's a moment in Scripture that it always has stuck out to me, and this is a familiar passage for some of you. It's uh, two disciples who, the backstory. you got to read this. If you're new to the Bible, please check out Acts on your own time. It's better than any movie, anything any Hollywood could ever do. But you've got two disciples that were uh, arrested for preaching, doing what they're called to do. Uh, Right before what I'm about to read, they were in prison and God supernaturally freed them. And instead of escaping, they just stepped out of the prison and continued to preach. And we find them in this deliberation moment, where basically the people in the area are trying to figure out what do we do with these Christians? Because if we lock them up, we could have a riot and uh, we don't want to turn the people against us, et cetera, trying to figure out what to do. We pick up the story in verse 40. This is Acts chapter five. And how do you pronounce that guy's name, Dad? With the G? Gamaliel, yeah, okay. He's the guy trying to make sure that these guys get treated, you know, in a way that's going to be good for everybody. And it says, his words convinced the council. So they brought the apostles back in. They had them severely beaten. They ordered them to never again speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. The apostles left there. wait for it, this is, this is hard. This is convicting. The apostles left there rejoicing, thrilled that God had considered them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus, and nothing stopped them. They kept preaching every day in Boise and beyond and went from house to house, preaching the gospel of Jesus, God's anointed one. Quick recap, in a minute here, you've got guys that were beaten, probably so bad they were unrecognizable and their only response coming out of this moment was thank God that we were counted worthy enough to be abused for his name. I struggle to remember there's a God if we're in traffic too long. I struggle to dig up thanks if I don't get exactly what I want. The standard, I believe, for the people of God is to somehow, and I'm not remotely there, but I'm climbing. I got at least 40 more years to try to get there. I want to get to the point where I'm so thankful to know Jesus that no matter what happens to me, it will never change what comes through me. I will remain thankful. So if we're interested in continuing to reach our cities, anybody in here interested in the gospel spreading, I think we might need to take a look at this thanks thing. Because the early church didn't grow because people had hipster stuff. The early church didn't explode because the worship music was good. The early church exploded because they had such radiant, thankful spirits in the face of nothing that people are like, what is wrong with y'all? You have nothing. You're being chased You have no home, you have no anything, but yet you have this vibrant life about you. I have never heard one time anybody be like, I don't want to get to know that person, they're too thankful. Not one time have I ever heard a non believer say, I can't stand that Christian, all they ever do is thank me. Not one marriage has ever been destroyed because they're in marriage counseling and the guy's like, I can't stand my wife, too thankful. There's power in this world. We're not just throwing out empty positivity. This isn't positive thought. This is being thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ that has covered your life. I will give you, give you two reasons that you can be thankful. Just in case you're in a season where you're like, I hear you, but it's a tough time. Here's two. I believe they work for me. They might be able to work for you. Can I give you two? Can I give you four? Who loves Boise State? biggest cheer of the day. Great. Carl, you're a failure. Okay, ready? Number one, you can thank God for your past because if it didn't kill you, you get to use it. Now, I realize some of y'all don't have a past in this room, but in case you know somebody that does, this is for them. (laughs) That was a joke. You get to thank God for your past because if it didn't kill you, you get to use it. And newsflash, if you're here, it didn't, you. it didn't kill you. That means you have a huge weapon that you now get to use as a thankful battering ram against anything the devil might throw at you. Now, I find it, I find it interesting in the Acts passage that we just read that uh, these men got beaten, they got thrown out, and their immediate response was to do what? Continue to preach house to house. I have a feeling I know the material that they used. I mean, if that was me, if I went through that, I would, have, I would have been like, Lord, I'm going to take a couple months off. I've just been beaten, just been whipped. Like I think anybody in here would give these guys a little bit of grace if they took some time to get their lives together. The Bible is very clear to say they immediately went back to doing what they did. Their image would have been bad. They would have been haggard. But can you imagine? Have I mean, these guys knock on your door and they would have been like, hey, I know I look bad. but see this? They tried to kill us and they couldn't because you matter so much that we wanted to come to your door to tell you about the God that can set you free. This is testimony in action. This is how the church is built using what the devil meant to kill you to stand on top of it and give God thanks that he's been greater than that and he's always going to be greater than that. So if you're in here today or maybe you're, you're, you know, bleeding somebody who has a crazy past, thank God that if it didn't kill you, you get to use it. And you might be holding one of the greatest testimony weapons that you have yet to access. And I'll tell you this on this. Is this helping anybody in here? I think we all have this in common, even though we're different. We, I can pretty much say this with confidence. Everybody has things in their lives that maybe they would try to do over or have some mistakes they've made that they potentially regret. Is that fair to say? My question is, will you use your story or will your story use you? Because I've seen this in church. I've been born and raised in church my whole life. And I think there's a huge difference between Christians that use their story rather than let the narrative continue to use them. I also think it's a misuse of God's grace when people will talk about what they've been brought out of, but their old story is still active in their new life. Still sinning, still a victim, still a part of what they claim to be free from because they don't understand. They don't have to let what they used to be dictate who they are now. So rather than be somebody who's free and they use where they came from as a weapon, they're still located back here. Something powerful about a Christian who knows, yep, I'm not necessarily proud of the mistakes I have made, but I am so proud of the God that saved me in the middle of it, and if he got me out of it, he can get you out of it as well. I got some good news in case you might be hiding some deep shame, and I know that happens in church. We can put a good church game on, but there's some deep pain often represented in a room like this. The greater the wreckage of your past, the greater the redemption of it. So you are eliminated as somebody who has an excuse today because you might be like, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. I got good news for you. You can give God thanks because the greater the mess, the more powerful the message of his grace in the middle of it. You could be the most dynamic evangelist in Idaho and beyond if we get this one point today. ever met somebody who's come out of something crazy and they're actually using it to their their game? There's something about somebody who doesn't forget where they came from, not because they want to go back, but because they want to bring out what God has done in the middle of it. I'll put it to you like this. I, I still try to play basketball as much as I can. I'm not as good as I used to be, but I still pretend that I am. And it's like my constant way just to kind of take my mind off of regular life. And I walked into the gym I always walk into And normally there's guys who just, they want to look cool. They are cool. They're New Yorkers. It's a cool gym. And I walked in to, to play a game and there was this guy on the court. He had a headband and he had knee pads, wristbands, like a back brace. And he was the most intense individual I've ever seen in my life to the point like in between games, he's doing wind sprints. Um, we played together on a team, and he's like, yo, you going to get back and play defense? And I was like, what's this word, defense, you speak of? Like, I'm not out here to play defense. Are you kidding me? I'm out here to shoot. I'm out here to have some fun, like in the guys taking charges in a pickup game. And, and when his team lost, he sat on the sideline, in Indian-style, grown man, and was cheering on people he did not know. And as soon as that game ended, his team was back on. He just couldn't wait to play. And I just was looking at him like, one of two things is going on here. Either he's completely insane, which is normal New York, or he's super high on cocaine, which is also common to play ball in New York with people who are obviously using some sort of drug. So we played after he had just done this crazy wind sprint thing, and afterwards he got everybody water. And I'm like, sir, with all due respect, can I? what is your story? Why do you care so much? I love basketball too, but we're not getting paid for this. There's no media in here. Like, you really do believe all his life. Like, what's the deal with you? And he goes, oh, that's easy. Keep in mind, while I'm talking to him, this is how he's talking to me. Like, he, he could barely be bothered to waste time talking to me. He's like, well, here's the deal. A couple years ago, I was, I was a drug dealer, and I got shot running uh, from the police, rightfully so, and I was uh, paralyzed from the waist down. Eight years, eight years, just sat in the hospital bed, and I always, you know, I got saved during that time, but I remember thinking, you know, if, if somehow in the grace of God that I get healed, and I ever get out of this chair, Lord, I promise you, I will not waste a game. I will not waste a morning. I will not miss a sunset. I will not miss a sunrise. I will not miss a moment. And let me tell you, when they gave me an opportunity to be part of this trial surgery and it worked, the first thing I did on my new legs was to hop out and say, God, thank you for this opportunity. He said, I will never ever mail in a pickup basketball game in my life. No way. God's been too good to me. He didn't get me out of that chair to come in here and not play for real. So for the rest of my life, this is how I live. I got go. to go. And I left that gym in tears because I thought, Lord, why does it take things like that for me to be mindful of the fact, no matter what I've done, No matter how bad the season might have been, you have given me new life. And there might be some things I'm not happy about and there might be some things I'm not proud about, but at the end of the day, God can do great things with people who never forget how good he's been. Come on, somebody. Have you been withholding thanks? Have you been withholding praise? Are you in a tough season? Try this word. Thank you. Very well could change your life. The moment you have an opportunity to complain, thank God. When you walk into this church, thank God for it. Rather than think this way about the music, you think this way. Thank God we have sound. Rather than leave here and be like, man, my my, my reservation at lunch. <sighs> Our church parking lot's crowded. Thank God. We go to a church where I'm never gonna be on time for lunch. Thank God. Thank God I go to a church where I I'm not, I can't be too sure that my regular seat's always going to be available. Thank God. Same exact situation, just a different spin of thanks. Thank God for your past. I don't know who you are, or who I'm talking to today, but there's something in your story that other people need to hear about. I'm almost done. I do believe this, so if you're truly thankful, ooh, so is it? The first service was 35 or 40. Was it 55? Was it a suggestion? Is it mandated? Amen. It's because the pastor is on paternity leave. <laughs> He's going to come back and be like, What happened to the nine? It's still going. Go back, be with your babies. <laughs> <laughs> if you're truly thankful for the grace of God, give me a wave if you are. You will be quick to make sure other people get an opportunity to experience it. I really believe that. It would be quick to extend it to others. We might close on this one so then, team, I'm going to get you up in just a second. But I think selective Christian amnesia is when Christians remember how good God has been to them but are quick to remember how short others may fall. And I believe the sign of a thankful church. Like I've been around people that have been, you know, I, I say weathered in the faith in the best way. They've been around for a while. Like my dad's one of those people. My mom's those people. Like I've been around some Christians. It's like the longer they know Jesus, the worse they are. But I feel like my parents, the longer they've walked with Jesus, the more gracious they become. The more endearing they are. They just want people to get this opportunity to meet this God that has sustained them their whole lives. And giving grace doesn't mean you advocate behavior. Giving grace doesn't mean you endorse people's lifestyle. It just means I remember that the grace of God made a way for me, and I'm going to make sure that you get an opportunity to meet this same God. And you might think this is like a church cliche, but it's true. I've been pastoring our church for long enough to know. We have to constantly remind our church, be careful that you don't forget the grace that God showed you especially in a city like this in Boise, where God's going to continue to push out these walls. I do believe and I can prophesy that the best is yet to come. And you're not going to be able to contain what God is going to do in this kind of a church. No way. But we have to remind people all the time, like be careful. You don't forget where you were when God found you. It's one thing to say, thank you for your grace. It's a whole nother thing to give somebody else that same opportunity to understand it. I'll never forget it. Uh, Maybe about, Six and a half years ago, we were having eight services on Sunday. It was crazy. And we had like one service, we called it the 945-ish. And I'm always telling our church, like, be careful that you don't regret your prayer request, because we're going to go after people. And we're going to believe that we don't care who you are, where you're from, rich or broke, famous or anonymous hurting or whatever like our church is coming for you that's the kind of church we will always be it doesn't mean once you get in here we're going to champion your cause doesn't mean we're going to overlook no it just means that we believe as a base fundamental that we are so thankful that God saved wretched sinners like us that everybody else is going to at least get that same opportunity and it's easy to preach sometimes it's tougher to live and I remember so in service number eight I went outside to greet people And just to say hi to these random people that would stay around for three hours in line to come to church. And uh, we just looked around this block filled with people, shaking hands, going inside. And to my left, I looked in this uh, alleyway, right, because we have church in a nightclub in New York. We did at that time. And uh, there was an older gentleman who was sitting there. You could tell that was his corner. That's where he lived. And so immediately I look over, and uh, he had a hat that let me know he was a veteran. And so immediately, my heart went out to him because my grandfather was a veteran. My whole legacy is filled with heroes that have either died in a war or fought in a war. Like that. it means a lot to me, and I believe our country has a long way to go when it comes to how we honor the men and women that have fought and given so much. Like so, right away, like I looked at this this man. He had a long, like almost like a Santa Claus beard and a hat. I said veteran. I said, Sir, what are you doing tonight? And he looked at me. and said, Oh, I'm just hanging out here, just hanging out. It's what I do. And I said, um, You got any plans? He goes, what, well, tonight? I said, yeah. I said, there's a church meeting right here to your left if you'd like to come. He says, there's a church in that club? I said, yeah, believe it or not. He goes, I, I would go, but I can't go. I don't look right. I don't smell right. I said, trust me, you're going to fit right in this church. <laughs> he said, no, I don't really belong in, in, in churches. I, I've been through a lot, son. You know, I like it when men who have earned the right to call you son. I said, sir, I appreciate that, but I know the guy who runs this church. and..." You're going to fit right in. Trust me. He looks at me and he goes, well, to be honest with you, son, he holds up this beer can. He goes, I can't go anywhere without this. And this one's almost done. I don't want to be a distraction. I said, are you telling me that if you had another beer, you'd come to church as my guest? He said, well, I guess that's what I'm saying. I said, sir, there is a bodega right next to our church. If if that is what you're saying it's going to take to get you into these doors, let's go right now. You got to, I said, is it a deal? He said, it sounds like a good deal to me. So we went to this little bodega. We got him a six-pack, whatever he wanted, and we walked right into church, sat right here in the front row, and we worshiped together. And to his shock and awe, I said, I'll be right back. And I went up to lead the meeting. He was like, this is... All. And I sat there, and started to preach and I remember I took a sip of water like I always do and I said cheers and he stood up he says cheers thanks for the beer pastor I'm like not now bro don't do and I had never done this before never done it since but I looked at this man he sat there in the front row and as I preached he you could see him he just had never been around something like this and the guy uh, that was sitting next to him in the previous service, there was a, a, a star that everybody knew who he had his arm around. This service, he had his arm around this man who nobody knew. And when I gave people a chance to get saved, he was the first person to put his hand up. He walked up to this stage, even though he didn't do that, and gave me a hug. And I remember just, just hugging him and thinking, you know what? I went home that night. I said, Lord, I said, if we went to heaven tonight, I feel like it would have been worth it to give this man the honor and dignity and the opportunity to see and feel Jesus like we have and I thought everybody thought that but you know I hadn't been a pastor in church for long enough to understand the, the other side of church I remember walking in the next week so excited still about this incredible man who gave his life to Jesus who started his journey of grace and I walked in this lady came up to me she made a beeline for me she said Pastor Carl just want you to know me and my family we're out of here you committed to being here for life last week. It was a short life, you know. And she said, yeah, we love you. We love Laura, but y'all have just gone too far. You've gone too far. You, you've conformed. You've dropped it to the standard. I said, well, what blog did you read? You know, it's not always true. You know? And she said, no, it wasn't a blog. She said, last week, there was a man in service with a beer. And I said, well, ma'am, to our credit, we are having church in the club. It's like, what, you know? And she says, it's just too much. You can't have people in church with beers. I said, ma'am, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I said, can you work with me for a moment here? Can you just remember the grace of God that's on your life? And can you remember maybe what this man might have walked through that you don't know. I said, look, we are not advocating what he's doing, but there is a fight for his life. And it does not start with the beer in his hand. It starts with the soul in his chest. And God is so good that if he can hear the voice of heaven, if he can feel the power of the Holy Spirit, there will come a day where he will drop that beer and it won't because a preacher told him to, it'll be because God gave him the grace to put it down and he can know what freedom is. So if it's okay with you, We are going to give him an opportunity to feel the power of God in this place. Will you work with us? And she said, yeah, but I can see his sin. I said, but ma'am, I can smell your pride. I said, I'd rather be in a church where people are at least honest enough to bring their sin out than be in a church where people are so churchified. We've just found ways to medicate our pain and nobody knows. I feel like there is a new day coming where the church of Jesus Christ can hold the line, never drop the standard of the gospel, but the way we build bridges for people to come in and hear the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in in desperate times. And sometimes if we have to move out our religious margins a little bit, drop something maybe that we haven't understood just yet to say, Lord, let me just for a moment remember and give thanks for the grace you have shown me. I do believe we can see revival in our country. I do believe we can see revival in our cities. But anytime I feel that old judgmental, righteous, fake Christian spirit rise up and I think, oh my gosh, you look at the TV and you turn your head. No, no, no. Where would you be had it not been for the grace of God? Where would we be had it not been for the mercy of heaven that came to us when we tried to turn our back on it? Thank you, thank you, thank you.